An interesting riddle, Commander. You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out, you put your whole self in, and you turn yourself about. You do the hokey pokey, you give a little shout. That's what it's all about. Try and kiss me and I'll break your arm. Hello and welcome to Who Are You? A Babylon 5 Watchcast hosted by two friends getting <laughs> to know each other as they watch one of their favorite shows from their childhood. I'm Trefair. And I'm Laura. And today, Laura, I get to ask you, who are you? Who are you? Who are you? Do you know who I am? Well, I have sort of alluded to this in my first conversation that we had, I think where I mm -hmm. told you about being a fan of Kurt Vonnegut, but I'm also just a general bookworm. Okay. So I have more books than I should for one thing. Not true. Well, you know, there's some things that I was going through. I was actually like going through the shelf and I was like, you know, this book of the AICPA codification that was once theoretical and is now fact and has been you know reissued a few times i should probably just get rid of that mm -hmm. <laughs> that is not useful anymore old textbooks things like that i'm i'm a hoarder and i still have them even if some of the information is not relevant so i'm trying to get trying to you know get that part of my collection down but okay in general you know i, I became a bookworm as a child as most of us do and sci-fi was a big avenue into that for me same yeah, read a lot of the Star Wars books. Me too. The ones Timothy Zahn and... Yep, X-Wing series. I read all mm -hmm. those. I read a bunch of the, the... There was a real penchant for Star Wars trilogies mm -hmm. um, yeah. in novel form, but I read a ton of those. Yeah, I read whatever I could get my hands on in the, you know, Tahlequah Public Library. So mm -hmm. maybe not as many. <laughs> <laughs> but the Star Wars books, there were a lot of Star Trek books. I've read a ton of Star Trek books. Mm -hmm. I'm like 15 or 16 books behind right now. But at one point I was current with Star Trek books. Nice. <laughs> from the Titan relaunch, which was the post-Nemesis books. Okay. I had about maybe 25 or 30 of them that I had read and donated slash gave to a friend of the pod, Austin, who's commented oh, yeah. a couple of times on things. Uh -huh. presumably he listens <laughs> <laughs> but he lives not terribly far from me and there was a, a star trek book group that we were both in mm -hmm. where i had commented about just having a ton of them that i was trying to get rid of just to make space on my bookshelf yeah you know i read a lot of the the deep space nine books that were out because deep space nine was like my favorite series and then i kind of branched out when i got you know, into high school and got into the fantasy books as well. We mm -hmm. we had a lot more sci-fi books around our house because my dad is being a scientist, much more interested in that than fantasy. We never had any of the fantasy series. We didn't even have, you know, Lord of the Rings was the one that that his generation would have all been reading in college and mm -hmm. he didn't even have those. So when I found those, it was like, ooh, something new. So lots of lots of sci-fi, lots of fantasy. And then the post-apocalypse is also a big one that I've read a lot of. 
And some of the old ones too. The first one I, I read that was kind of that post-apocalypse was Alas Babylon. And maybe I was interested in it because it had the word Babylon in the name. But it was, I think it's one of the the really like foundations of the post-apocalypse genre because it is it was written in that we've used nuclear bombs now. What the hell do we do with that? Mm-hmm. That writer grappling with that. And On the Beach was another one that was that time. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we all thought we were going to kill ourselves with nuclear weapons for a long time. And yeah. Now we've realized we could do it all kinds of ways. <laughs> and maybe it won't be us that does it. Maybe it'll be the earth or maybe it'll be the sun. Who knows? Yeah, something. So, yeah, lots of nonfiction these days. I listen mm-hmm. to a lot of audiobooks too, because once I got out of college, my time sort of got away from me and I wasn't reading as much. A lot of my travel when I when I worked travel was driving. So I did. That's when I hit the audiobooks really hard. Yeah. So that's when I hit kind of nonfiction because our, our library has a very extensive audiobook collection. I use the libraries app. Everyone's always like, oh, get Audible. Uh, this is not an Audible commercial because your library is free, folks. <laughs> and your mm-hmm. library probably has an app that you can use. So save yeah. yourself some money. My library is part of almost, I think it's all of the libraries in the Metro Detroit area Mm -hmm. are like grouped together and their app is awesome. It had all kinds of stuff on it. Mm -hmm. Ebooks, audiobooks. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. Check your library before giving more money to Jeff Bezos, guys. Yeah. He don't need it. But so for my birthday that was, you know, Mm -hmm. recent. I decided, hey, I want to go to the bookstore and buy myself some books. Yeah. So we we hit up Barnes and Noble, and then I don't know if this chain is national, but do you guys have half price books there? No, I don't think we do. I think there might be one. Okay, so they're like a used bookstore mostly. They they take in used stuff, or they take stuff that other bookstores haven't been able to sell, and they sell it cheap, right? Okay. So when we went to half price books. I was looking mostly to see like this fantasy series that I just listened to on the library if mm-hmm. I could find the books because it's what seems fantasy like, series. It's The Dagger and the Coin by Daniel nope. Abram. Nope. Okay. He's one half of the writer who wrote The Expanse. Okay. I've got a pile of those. So I couldn't find the books, but my husband was poking around and he found me a Babylon 5 set. So this nice. is show and tell. I got it here. I think I sent you a, a picture of the yes. cover, but it was actually $50, you guys. Uh, it's very What's good a condition. Big, it's hefty. Yeah. So this it's, is... It's a trilogy in one book, right? It's three. Mm-hmm. It's the Psychor trilogy. $50. You can't find it cheaper on the Half Price Books website, or I don't think... I think Aaron might have checked Amazon, too, and because it's out of print, and it's the you know, the <laughs> trilogy. It's about $50 everywhere. Very good condition. And I was like, oh, you know, I remember reading these books from the library. There's Dark Genesis, Deadly Relations, and Final Reckoning. And they're by J. Gregory Keyes. I remember reading them at the library. I remember them being good. Or yeah. at least to, you know, 13-year-old me. Whose <laughs> taste may have been questionable. Um, so I was like, yeah, this... This is a good birthday present to me. I'll spend $50 on this. And I, I was like, I remember the paperbacks. You know, they were they were much smaller and, and 
the that <laughs> same color palette that all the sci-fi books were in the 90s <laughs> and my husband's like yeah they seem familiar to me too but i don't i don't know where i would have seen them uh later that day he's poking around on my bookshelf and uh <laughs> <laughs> you already I, had them. <laughs> I have them. <laughs> I have the three paperbacks. Obviously, I haven't touched them in a long time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was thinking, since I have three paperbacks, that maybe have you read the Psychor trilogy? I have not read a single Babylon 5 book. Oh, you want to, right? I I would love to. <laughs> so I will mail you my paperbacks. Oh, thank and we you. Can, we can read these together and maybe we can do a, a, book, a book club. club. Yeah, <laughs> a book club episode. That'll be fun. They're pretty good condition too. I, I don't know when I pick these up, honestly. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it would be fun and we can get some more psychor lore and history out of them. Yeah. To enjoy, so... <laughs> I'm here for it. That's me. I'm a bookworm and I have double copies of things. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have purchased extra copies of books that I knew would not were not going to be reprinted before. Mm, yeah. Just to have like a backup or one to give away because you I you you know I don't loan people books, I give people books. Yeah. I've you, always been and you that should mindset. because I'm the person that gets loaned books and I never give them back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I apologize to everyone who's ever loaned me a book. Yeah, if I am loaning a book, there's like, I need you to get this back to me because this copy was like my dad's or something, you know, like mm -hmm. there's sentimental value attached. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, you give books, you don't, <laughs> you don't, you don't loan books. That's, that's smart. What else is smart is a handful of characters in this episode of Babylon 5. Are that's you being actually serious? Not okay. No, that's, that's actually not true at all. I just needed a segue. <laughs> I saw one and I reached for it and mm -hmm. I should have thought about it more. <laughs> but uh, we do have season one, episode 19 of Voice in the Wilderness, part one. Mm. And this was originally planned as a two-parter. Mm -hmm. There was a request for a two-parter in this season because the VHS sales of the Gathering movie apparently did so well in Europe huh. <laughs> where the show wasn't airing that they wanted to do another movie-style two-parter to put on a single VHS tape because The Gathering was doing so much better than the other episodes. And they're like, oh, it's because they think it's a movie. That's weird. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Thanks, Usenet Notes. Also, I found out that JMS wrote this while he was very sick. Hmm. He doesn't remember if he wrote this as he, in the process of getting very sick or as he was getting over being very sick. Uh-huh. And he has apparently, I found in the notes for this, no memory of writing The Quality of Mercy. Wow. Aww. He was so sick and he wrote that at the peak of his illness. Uh -huh. And he wrote this either shortly before or shortly after. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. I mean, if, if that was my work output when I was like super sick and couldn't remember it, I would be pretty pleased with myself. Like three episodes of television. Decent. Yeah. Theoretically five, because there's the other side of it that he doesn't know which order he wrote them in. Uh -huh. So yeah. there's more yeah. in there somewhere. <laughs> Good on you, dude. <laughs> yeah. We open on space TSA. And I need you to scrub to the nine second mark here. Okay. I pulled this one up. Nine seconds. I'm seeing Drawl, our, our older Mimbari. Yep. 
What else am I seeing? In the background, an actual lizard person. I've never oh, seen this type yeah. of alien in Babylon 5 before. Yeah. But that is straight up like a Gorn style lizard person. Yeah. Maybe we had some leftover prosthetics from the Star Trek set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Except a different studio, whatever. Yeah. Maybe we found their dumpster. That happened a ton with TOS and I think it was Lost in Space and Forbidden Planet. Yeah. We're all filmed on the same lots, I think, is what it was. Mm-hmm. We found their Anyways, uh, an older Mimbari comes through, meets a security detail, and gets taken to see Delenn. Yeah, that was weird. Oh, I figured that was just set up. Yeah, I was like, is this guy waiting for him? Yeah, yeah, okay. he's effectively holding the sign, only he's not holding this. He's like okay. the guy holding the sign at the airport, but okay. he's just not holding a sign. I didn't read it that way. I read it like this is just some guy standing at Space TSA looking for weapons, you know, and and you're like, take me to Delenn. And he's like, "Okay, yeah, sure. I'll take you to the ambassador. No, no, to just take you to the ambassador. No, that's not how this goes. (laughs) This must be arranged. You're right. You're right. Yeah. But she didn't know he was coming. Isn't she surprised later? Isn't she like. That doesn't mean that like Lanier didn't know or that the Mimbari government didn't know. Okay. All right. I'll sign off on it. <laughs> yeah. I figure he made travel plans to the Mimbari government. He must have because they don't have money. Oh, he had to yeah, have made okay. plans somehow. So yeah. the Mimbari government probably just handled it for him. Yeah. Okay. But from moving on from that, we go back to CNC and mm-hmm. Sinclair and Ivanova are talking about launching a shuttle to observe some strange seismic readings that they've been getting from Epsilon 3 and Yep. I don't remember if we've na- mentioned the name of the planet before. We but... have not up until this point. Oh, you you looked it up. I did. <laughs> That's your I looked it up face. Mm-hmm. I did look it up. Okay, so we find out, though, that Epsilon 3 is definitely the planet that they are around. That's mm-hmm. our, our orbit. They've got to send this geology team down there to investigate, see what's going on. But Sinclair has to run off to be a diplomat instead. And Ivana yep. is in charge of watching these guys do do their job. And Sinclair goes and he runs into Talia waiting outside of the lift. And mm-hmm. she's just like, Garibaldi is always waiting for me whenever <laughs> I take this lift. And he's like, that's ridiculous. And door opens and he's there. Yeah. Was this just a joke for Jerry Doyle and Andrew Thompson just for their benefit? I feel like it's a joke, but it also is a little bit of setup for later when he yeah. goes to Talia mm-hmm. just to kind of like establish that they've got this kind of tense not quite friendly Beef. relationship yeah, yeah. because mm-hmm. if you don't have this scene there you might not remember because the last time we've seen them interact was like 10 episodes ago yeah it's been a minute yeah we see dr tasaki's shuttle that's the lead geologist on this team mm-hmm. going into entering the atmosphere of epsilon 3 but a strange energy just charged damages the ship just blasting anyway i started blasting yep shoots out of the planet's surface yep and Loses control of the shuttle the theme. Yeah. When we come back, we find that most of the systems are fried and they need help getting out of orbit. We cut to Sinclair's office where Londo is day drinking. Yeah. <laughs> he day drinks in meetings a lot. What looks like a grasshopper, of all <laughs> things, for a business meeting. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah. Ivanova uh, meets the survey crew once they get back and comments that the planet below is believed to be stable, safe, and uninhabited, and it is now... None of those. Yeah. <laughs> I would be a little upset too. But Dr. Tasaki is pretty chill about it. He's like, eh, I'm going to go call my wife, tell her about yeah, it. She loves yeah. puzzles. Yeah. Yeah. 
cut back to Sinclair's office where he has successfully negotiated a trade treaty between the Centauri and the Membari. Londra notes how pleasant this can be when the other party is cooperative. Mm-hmm. And then we get a little bit about the nature of anger. Yeah. You know, because he's talking about Jakar's anger for him. Londo uh-huh. insists that Narn will hate the Centauri through the heat death of the universe. Yes. <laughs> if all the Narn focused their hate at once and it would turn the home world into a ball of ash. The hate is cyclical. They hate us, so we hate them, so they hate us. Yeah, and Sinclair is like, well, you could break the cycle and you could not respond in kind. And Londo says, There's a natural law. Physics tells us that for every action, there must be an equal and opposite reaction. They hate us, we hate them, they hate us back. And so, here we are, victims of mathematics. It's a very nihilistic worldview. It makes me a little sad. Yeah. At CNC, we find out the Pulse is a beacon of some kind, which they then don't mention again for the rest of the episode. Yeah. We we find out it's a beacon, and we also get a quick question from Ivanova. She's asking Sinclair if he's heard anything about Mars. There's been no word about the colony in the daily reports, and apparently this could be a normal thing if they were doing some sort of military exercise, but Mm -hmm. they didn't get any warning about that. But Sinclair shrugs it off, says it's probably a glitch, and wishes her a good night. Yeah. Drawl makes his way to Delenn, where he asks her for the third principle of sentient life, which is Mm self-sacrifice. I looked. The other two are self-awareness and self-betterment. Oh, yeah. So this is the three things required to be considered sentient life by the Membari. So I guess that's how the feeder from, I'm blanking on the name of the episode. The quality of mercy. Oh, it was the quality of mercy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So the feeder must not clear these hurdles, right? So even though it could speak English somehow, it did not have the capacity for self-sacrifice, perhaps. (laughs) Yeah. Or self-betterment. Yeah. It was definitely self-aware, it seemed. It knew it was hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he, we learned from that, the pop quiz, that he's one of her former teachers, mm-hmm. now friends, and she's very happy to see him and invites him in her quarters. Yep. We cut to Sinclair's quarters for a moment where we find out what's up with Mars. It is an open revolt and revolution. Yeah. He's then visited by the ghost of Christmas past who asked him to help. Help me. Yes. And uh, he and Ivanova talk it over during breakfast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we find out Sinclair was born on Mars. I don't think that had been mentioned before either. I don't think it was either. Okay. I, I wondered if I just missed that, but it seemed like a new fact. Knowing what happens much later in the show, I wonder if that was set up for plot in like season four. Ivanova apparently had family there, but she doesn't anymore. But mm-hmm. we've... I think we've mentioned before that Garibaldi had spent quite a bit of time on Mars. Yes, we did, because we just had TKO, of course. We um, talked a bit, little bit about Mars, but we get a lot more about Garibaldi's time on Mars in this episode. Yes, exactly. So apparently he's taking it very hard. We haven't seen yeah. him yet besides smirking in an elevator. But Sinclair almost tells Ivanova about the ghost of Christmas past, but he dismisses himself thinking he must have just been tired and i i wondered at this moment i had another one of those moments where i thought about what we know now about michael o'hare and i Mm -hmm. wondered if that was hard you know it might have been really hard for him yeah i don't know you know we obviously don't know personal details of his illness but 
I don't think hallucination is out of the realm of possibility for him. No, I believe hallucination was quite in the realm of things he was experiencing from mm -hmm. what I've heard. Yeah. Uh, having to act that or or act around it when it's so personal and it's happening to you must be difficult. For sure. Um, after this, I need you to go ahead and scrub to 1342. Hold, please. Is that a bong? That's what I have in my notes. <laughs> That's a bong. That's 100% a bong. Look at that thing. Oh That's gosh. a bong. Yeah. It's, it's mysterious Mimbari thing, but... Yeah, and they're going to drink right? the water, which um, I haven't had bong water personally in my life. Is that a thing? Do people um, do that? I I know I, I had a roommate in college who accidentally got a little, and oh. it was a scene because it was terrible. Mm. But that is, uh, <laughs> that is uh, not my... Uh, not my set of interests. You think that the props department was having a, a good laugh this they whole time? They must have. Yeah. yeah. You, you did this on purpose. Yeah. Go, go props, guy. Drawl tells Delenn he left Mimbar because he feels something is wrong there. They're growing rift between the religious and warrior casts. And he's come to tell Delenn that he's going to the sea. Woo, so dramatic. What Lord of the Rings bullshit is this? Yeah. <laughs> Minbar, you're space elves. I mean, Charles like, I'm just going to go be happy with Sam and Gandalf and the elves will be there. <laughs> just going to the sea. Yeah. The sea and of it, stars. It, it's very poetic. It's, it's very poetic. It's very Mimbari religious cast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They've got poetry on lock. Except they haven't. And, and jokes aside, I really like this concept and idea. I think it's fun. Uh -huh. I think it's an interesting cultural thing to do. Yeah. But I'm going to make my jokes. Yeah. Uh, he's, he says he's going to look for a place in the stars where he can be of service before he dies. Mm -hmm. So he's not just, it, the sea isn't exactly a total metaphor for death. It's more like, I'm going to go yeah. out, out into the wilderness and find something to be of use at. But yeah, there's, some, uh, there's someone who needs me out somewhere and I just have to find them. And Dylan is, you can tell she's crushed. She knows that she's not going to see him again after he leaves and... Mm -hmm. uh, but he tells her to be glad that he's found his purpose and you should be happy for me. And I'm, I'm in a better place. <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. Um, it vibes a lot with the whole true seeker thing too. It does. Yeah. I like that. We cut to Garibaldi who's trying to reach someone on Mars, but can't get through. Ivanova sets up some plot about the star furies not being able to help in the atmosphere. That totally won't come back later. Sinclair just cold shoulders the shit out of Londo. Yeah. <laughs> If you find something interesting, you'll tell me. No. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> uh, smart, though. Very smart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole station will know in 10 minutes. Right. Garibaldi finds Talia to ask for help. And he gives us that sweet, sweet backstory. Mm -hmm. Before B5, he was stationed on Mars. He was involved with Lisa Hampton, who he was. They were so serious. He had thought about proposing. He had asked her to move to Babylon 5 with him when he got the assignment. Mm -hmm. but they haven't spoken since he left for the station. Yeah, they had a big fight. And he mentions that he was fired from four previous jobs before he got this Babylon 5 offer. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I have to do this or no one is going to, you know, no one else is going to give me another chance. And yeah, and he does take the blame for 
the big fight that they had before he left for Babylon 5. He believes it to be his fault. But now he, even though he hasn't spoken to her since, he can't sleep, not knowing if she's safe or not during these riots. He reveals he knows about a classified psychor training center on Mars. Yeah. <laughs> That's maybe like, a, a card you shouldn't play yet, but okay. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, what are you talking about? What? And he's just like, mm-hmm. cut the bullshit. And she's just like, how do you know? Mm-hmm. And so he asked Talia to help reach out to that base to try and put him in touch with Lisa, possibly. Yeah. She says, no promises, but I will try. The survey crew gets straight missiled. Yeah. Um, because they drop too low in the atmosphere for the Star Furies to follow. Hmm. Yep. <laughs> against orders yep and Ivanova saves them and asks them to memorize to give it to memory the Babylon 5 mantra Ivanova is always right I will listen to Ivanova I will not ignore Ivanova's recommendations Ivanova is God and if this ever happens again Ivanova will personally rip your lungs out Babylon control out yeah I love it I need, I need that mantra on my wall it work. After comps are off, she apologizes to God. <laughs> Didn't mean that last one. <laughs> yeah, that's cute. That's cute. We know she's she's got a good Jewish girl in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> While they're debriefing, Dr. Tasaki tells Sinclair and Ivanova that they were able to pinpoint the origin of the missiles, at least. He zooms in on the TV to in Sector 14. There's a canyon down there. It's five miles below the surface, or the, there's a canyon, and then the origin of the fire was five miles below the surface. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. It turns to Ivanova and he says, You know, given that this is a serious threat and a potential first contact, we need to go down there personally to investigate this situation. And I want you to just reflect for a second on Babylon 5, run by Michael Garibaldi, because he seems to be the next in line, right? <laughs> <laughs> So I think Garibaldi is actually a non-commissioned officer. Oh, so, okay. Who is next in line? I would think, well, I think Franklin by rank. Okay. But it would probably be one of the lieutenants in CNC. Yeah. Well, they'll have to bring back Colonel Ari Benzane because both (laughs) and Sinclair could be killed on this mission. (laughs) like That'd make for a weird rest of the show. Like, I get it. Sci-fi shows, we have our limitations and we want to see our main characters do something. But it's fun to pause every now and again and be like, what if everyone died on this mission? Who's in charge? <laughs> Meanwhile, Lando finds uh, Garibaldi drinking at the bar. He's drinking water. Mm-hmm. And he recollects the story of how he met his third wife. Uh-huh. Uh, he was upset. He was going to see the most exotic of Centauri dancers whenever he possibly could. Uh-huh. He had a really bad day at work, whatever the hell that means for Londo. Right. And uh, she told him that whatever it is, it can't be that bad. And then she kissed him. And then Londo looks Garibaldi and goes, whatever it is, it can't be that bad. <laughs> and then Garibaldi goes, if you kiss me, I'm going to break your arm. <laughs> uh, but it does cheer up. Garibaldi and Lando goes to uh, further merry make around the station as is his job. <laughs> I loved this part, especially because he he talks about how he ended up marrying her and that she had a voice that could curdle milk. Lando, yes, dear, Lando. And I know we're gonna beat Lando's wives later. I remember yes. that, and I seem to remember one of them having a voice. 
<laughs> so I'm I'm ready. I'm here for it. I want to out one of Londo's wives and figure out which one is the the uh, <laughs> dancer. dancer. Right. <laughs> we'll have to remember when we get to that episode. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'll remind you. Don't worry. Londo leaves, and then he is also visited by Jacob Marley. Ivanova and Sinclair head down, dodging the planet's defenses, and they find a landing pad that their ship conveniently fits on, and then they head out on foot. Yeah. We've got breathers on, I think, because it's mostly carbon dioxide in there. Yep. The sensors haven't detected any signs of life, but we're going to go look. Mm-hmm. Back on the station, Talia does get someone at the Mars PsyCor facility on the TV. The administrator refuses to help Garibaldi because that would confirm the presence of the facility for him, and they mm-hmm. don't want to do that. It is supposed to be a secret. But Talia talks her into trying to find out if Lise Hampton is listed among the casualties. And she again says, no promises. I'll do mm-hmm. what I can. Meanwhile, on the planet, Sinclair and Ivanova find very old dead aliens and traps. You triggered my trap card! They get past the traps and they find the Great Machine. Uh, we don't know that's what its name is yet, but that's right. what the name of this thing is. It's the Great Machine. TM, TM, TM. TM, TM, TM. <laughs> uh, back on the station, Delenn is taking Drawl around and introduces him to Londo. Londo mentions he is studying the Earthers and finds them contradictory. Uh, Delenn confirms humanity can be a mess of contradictions. He mentions astonishing symphonies, and then everyone sings their kids the hokey pokey. And he's been trying to figure out what the hokey pokey means for the last week. Is this how you learned the hokey pokey? Just curious. No, it felt different, but it's also in the future. And yeah, it's also Londo. I was like, this this isn't how I learned the hokey pokey. But then I wondered, is are there regional differences in the hokey pokey? Maybe. Someone has probably written a dissertation on this. We'll have to. (laughs) Well, I'm sure we'll hear from them. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Tweet me. (laughs) Whoever yeah. wrote your dissertation on this, you find me and let me know. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Garibaldi is pacing around CNC, noting Ivanova and Sinclair have been gone for over two hours when Talia comes in with the news. Psychor couldn't check the casualty or fatality list, but she was not on the list of survivors. Mm-hmm. Uh, he convinces himself that she's okay. Just like, okay, well, she's a survivor. She's fine. Whatever. You know, I'm not worried about that. If she's not confirmed dead, then she's fine. Yeah, sure. Uh, and then comms are reestablished to the planet briefly. Um, then the ghost comes back as they find them. And then they wander around the facility a bit more. And they find that the ghost is not just a ghost, but a person. And he's hooked up to a Dan Brown wet dream. Because, listener, if you didn't watch the episode, it's very Vitruvian Man. Uh-huh. The famous yep. Leonardo da Vinci. I'm explaining my joke because I'm nervous it didn't land. <laughs> Dan Brown writing the Da Vinci Code. It's the, the C I got. Yeah. Humor. Yeah. I, I, I thought of Operation, kind of. I don't know why I yeah. thought of Operation, but I did. And There's like tubes sticking into him and stuff. Man, this this show loves tubes, don't it? The internet, it's, it's a series of tubes. This show <laughs> loves its tubes. They've just got a giant bin of tubes somewhere, and they're just like, oh, we need the prop department. Just throw some tubes on it. <laughs> Spray paint them up. Be fine. They pull the alien out because the alien is dying, and they head back up to B5. 
as they do, a large ship is coming through the jump gate to to be continued. Oh, there were so many moments right here in this last, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes that it was like, mm -hmm. no, it must have been five to 10 minutes that I was like, oh, this is where it's going to be. Oh, oh, where's my to be continued, you know? Yeah. And, and finally, we got it here. That was good. I enjoyed that because, you know. It's dramatic. And maybe you want to watch next episode. Mm -hmm. sure but I did. didn't. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> I will. But Obviously. I haven't yet. Yeah. 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 Well, normally I'd say let's give this episode a rating, but I think it's unfair to rate part one without watching part two. Okay, good point. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm on the edge of my butt, you know? Like yeah. I'm I'm ready. Yeah. It'll get a rating next two. week, listeners, yeah. as a combined two part VHS movie. Yeah. This is your cliffhanger, listener. You have to stay <laughs> to find out how many Babylons a voice in the wilderness gets. <laughs> <laughs> which uh next episode of course is going to be a voice in the wilderness part two season one episode 20 sinclair and the babylon 5 crew become involved in a political struggle for control of a planet that contains revolutionary super technology so we're going to wrap up all the loose ends from this episode but add in a whole bunch of more more material apparently <laughs> we'll see yeah i don't think we've got any hints that we're going to struggle over this from this first episode so that's very interesting it's true political struggle nonetheless yeah someone else is going to claim that planet that babylon 5 is around we'll see oh you know what maybe we did get a hint of it because londo wants to know if there's anything important down there yeah who knows yeah. i don't know who's i assume babylon 5 is the edge of human space but that's an assumption mm -hmm. yeah might be in neutral territory you know yeah, that might be the point, right? That would explain why them using it as a military staging ground, however many episodes ago, was such a big deal. Yeah, that's true. Well, we'll join in next time for the exciting conclusion, I suppose. Thank you to Jeremy Siegel for our lovely theme. You can find more music from him at jeremysiegel42.bandcamp.com. Yes. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to like just make a list of these so that I, I don't. I, I can forget. never remember the Instagram for who did our art. I feel terrible saying that and out loud. How can you forget Angry Duck Time Machine at Instagram? <laughs> I, I remembered the duck. <laughs> the I want to hear where all the words came from. Like, you know, there's a story in those words. There has to be. Yeah. Well, one day we'll hear it, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. And if you want to talk to us about anything or uh, just shoot us an email and we'll read it in a mailbag segment. Who are you? B5 at gmail.com. See you next week, internet. See you next week.